Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Locked On Canadians, a podcast about eternal despair. My name is Laura Saba and I used to be the curator of hockey feelings, but I've given up at this point because my only feelings about hockey at this point are just... I'm confused as to how much worse this team can possibly get. We are on the eighth game of an eight-game losing streak. The Habs looked so promising at the beginning of the year, and at the moment, it seems like they went from playing okay and losing to playing badly and and continuing to lose, and then playing okay but losing anyway. It seems like this team just can't win games. But we're going to talk about it anyway. I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla. Scott, how are you doing? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I know that nobody wants to talk about, nobody wants to hear us complain, and that's totally fair. We don't want to be an overly negative podcast or over overly negative Habs fans. Slumps happen, losing streaks happen, some bad ones happen, they happen to all teams. It's not like this was the contending year, for the Stanley Cup contending year for the Montreal Canadiens, but losses aren't fun, and it's clearly highlighted that this team is just not good enough at the moment, and something absolutely needs to be done. So what we're going to do for this episode is we're going to sort of throw out the suggestions that we've seen or heard fans throw out and debate whether or not they're feasible, and we're going to debate whether or not they are actually worth doing valid moves. Valid, valid is a good word for this. So, before we do that, we want to name a listener of the week. So this week, not a lot of, not a lot of people interacted with us to tell us what they were, you know, what they heard on the show. So, you know, usually we pick our listener of the week from a group of people who talk to us about what they have heard. You know what? <laughs> I, I understand why. It's, it's very hard, very hard to be enthusiastic about this team at this point. But I think we're going to go with our old friend, Mike O'Brien, because we do know that he does listen. We don't know how up to date he is, but we know that he does listen. But we want you guys to interact with us, even if you have ideas on how we're wrong. You know, like literally anything like we we really like when people talk about the hockey things that we say on the podcast and sort of sort of debate whether or not we're right or wrong or suggest further arguments that we can make and talk about again in the following episodes. So I think uh, I think, you know what, everybody follow Habs Laughs on Twitter if you don't. He's really funny, uh, and he is, for the most part, staying uh, fairly optimistic, although, like every one of us, he has his moments where, as Habs fans, we're kind of, we're, we're, we're letting the optimism slip away, we're, we're letting a little bit of anger come out once in a while in our opinions about the team. But I don't think anyone is as angry this week as Scott Matla, my co-host. I have to, first, I have to mention something. Last week when we had our mailbag episode, I said that the Canadians had three games left in the month, which they did not. They only had two. But because I'd already said three games, we decided that we would count the Boston Bruins game as well. So we said that if the Canadians go winless in three games, uh, Scott is going to have to eat five pickles on camera as punishment because he hates pickles. The fruitcake video proved to be so popular that it seems like people like watching Scott torture himself on YouTube. <laughs> 
So I want to go on the record as saying pickles are delightful. I love pickles, all kinds of pickles, any, like literally any, you can pickle any vegetable and I'll eat it. And anyway, so Scott does not like them. And at some point, Scott is going to take a video of himself eating the pickles. And I'm going to leave it up to Scott as to when he does that. What do you think? I'll try and get it done Tuesday or Wednesday this week, just like I did with the fruitcake video. Well, look out for it this week then. Yes. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that at all. (laughs) Uh, Why do I do these things for this stupid team? (laughs) Well, that was the thing, because, you know, I didn't really, I, I didn't prompt it or anything like that. You said you would eat pickles if they went winless. What game were you expecting them to win? Let me Let me just say, so at the time that we recorded that, we had the New Jersey game coming up, the Flyers game coming up, and the Bruins game coming up. So which game did you think that they were going to win? I definitely thought they were going to win the Devils game. That was the game I expected them to win. And then they didn't. And, <laughs> yeah, everything is bad. And now I have to eat pickles for this team that can't figure out its head from its butt most nights. And, uh, uh yeah. Well, it, speak- it's going to be something. <laughs> Well, speaking of figuring out your head from your butt, do not eat pickles for dinner, but instead you can treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Are you listening on the go? You really shouldn't be visiting websites on your phone if you're driving. Please, 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 especially since it's winter out there. So if you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. That's LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. So as promised at the top of the show, what we're going to do today is we're going to throw out ideas that people have for fixing the Habs, no matter how simple realistic or outlandish they may be and we're going to debate the merits i guess we're going to talk about how realistic it is that it could happen and whether or not it would be a good idea and i'm going to start with the first idea which i heard from my co-host himself and that is setting nick cousins on fire so the legality of that is i think it's very unlikely and you shouldn't set people on fire i'm pretty sure it's illegal everywhere across the world But at the same time, he basically cost the team the game with a very lazy penalty that, based on the way the officiating has been in the past month, you know you're not going to get away with that at all. And then they score on the power play, and the game just kind of unravels from there. Like, it's no wonder Claude Julien was not happy with that call. He wasn't happy with the officiating, and I'm sure he can't be happy with Nick Cousins. I'm not happy with Nick Cousins, and I don't think anyone else is either. So let's move on from that. Well, actually, let's extrapolate from that. What about the possibility of of waiving Nick Cousins? Well, sending him down, putting him on waivers for the purposes of assigning him to Laval. What happens? Do you think he gets picked up? I wouldn't be shocked because it's the NHL and teams love to just, you know, pick up fourth line players. But at the same time, They have no one else to really call up in his place. Paul Byron's on the IR. Jonathan Drouin is still injured. And, like, Ryan Paling's not ready. Dale Weiss isn't very good. Michael McCarron isn't an NHL player. Matthew Pekka's been okay. That leaves them with, like, three options. It's Jake Evans. It's Lucas Vedemo. Or it's Riley Barber. 
and I don't know if any of the three of them fit in the way Claude Julien might want on his fourth line right now. And quite frankly, it's just kind of like, well, do you just stick with it and hope he figures it out, or do you do something about it? And I would rather they do something about it because he hasn't scored in, I think, seven or eight games now, or only has like a point in seven or eight games now. He isn't the guy that he was when he came back from injury at the start of the year. They need something. I'm not saying it's going to make or break the team, but any kind of spark or refreshment in the lineup, I think, would be a very good thing going forward. Speaking of lineup refreshment, we've been hearing and seeing this quite a few times over the past few weeks, even before the Habs started on this losing streak, and it was sending Kotkaniemi down. We've already talked about it, but let's just throw it out there again. I'm going to go ahead and say this is a stupid idea. They shouldn't do it. Whether or not they will do it, I'm not sure. What do you think? It, it's the exact same thing. If you can't figure out who's going to replace Nick Cousins in the lineup and you want to send him down or wait or put him in the press box, what are you going to do if you send Kotkaniemi down and you don't have anyone to replace him? It doesn't make any sense. People's plan to improve the lineup is to take one of their better centers out of the lineup. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And no, don't send him to Laval. There's no reason to do that. He's been playing well. It's not his fault that defensively the penalty kill is bad. He doesn't play on the penalty kill. He's not taking bad penalties. I don't know what sending into Laval is going to do, except maybe shake his confidence a little. Next down the line is sending Charles who don't back down, which again, who are they going to pull back up in his place, call back up in his place? See, that I can actually see happening because he doesn't have to pass through waivers and they might just want to try something new. And again, it's not his fault the way things are going. It's like he's trying his best out there, but limited ice time. You know, Claude Julien kind of needs offense from some of his guys, so the top six plays a lot more. I don't know if they want to try shuffling him around and moving him somewhere else if they're not going to send him down, but sending him down and then replacing him with someone like Barber or Pekka might make a little bit more sense than someone higher up in the lineup. And it's probably one of the more likely options that's going to happen here. Carrying on with player changes, uh, after the Philadelphia Flyers game, a lot of people were complaining about Keith Kincaid and saying the Habs need to upgrade at backup. Do we think that this is a realistic possibility, and would they do it by calling up somebody from Laval or trying to pick up a goaltender from another team? Well, I'm trying to figure out who exactly they can pick up that's going to be better, because... I don't know who's out there. It's not going to be Jimmy Howard or Jonathan Bernier. They've both been terrible in Detroit. Eric Comrie just got traded to Detroit, I believe, actually, to help you know solidify that position for them. I don't think Keith Kincaid's been bad. He's suffering from the same things that Carey Price is in front of him, is that the team can't kill a penalty. Kind of leaves him out to dry with odd man rushes. The only difference is he's also not Carey Price, who doesn't have the ability to steal goals away from people like Price does so well. I don't know exactly what they what the thought process is of, well, send Kincaid down and call up, you know, Lindgren or Primo. It's like, why take away from their starting time in the AHL, especially Caden Primo, who since starting hot has struggled a little bit as he's settled in. Maybe the team's gone through a rough patch. Don't try and rush people because we've seen that happen before and it's never a good thing. Let players develop at their own pace and do what they need to do. I don't think rushing up a new goalie is going to fix things unless one of those goalies can magically stop odd man rushes from happening when he's playing in the net. Right, which I fully agree with you. I don't think the problem is the way Keith Kincaid is playing. I think 
the problem is the Habs defense as a whole, whether it's personnel or strategy, clearly there is a massive problem there because even when they play well, they are falling apart and allowing goals and losing games. Like it's, it's, it's a broken record at this point. So continuing on the player track, trading a roster player. I've seen people saying there should be a trade. I haven't seen what roster player, when I say roster player, I mean like a major player. I haven't seen who they suggest the Canadians trade and who they think that they're going to get back. Everyone seems to just want to trade Arturi Lekkanen for whatever reason. They're like, he can do all of this stuff. And it's like, so why don't we keep him if he's good? Well, no, because you can't do that, though. It's like, okay, you can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. Either, you know, you want to keep a player like Lekkanen or you don't. You can't say he's great at all these things, but he would only be great at those things for another ge- another team. Personally, I'm looking at this roster, and there's a lot of valuable pieces. People want to trade Jeff Petrie or Shea Weber for futures, and it's like we don't have anyone to replace them in the lineup. It's My biggest thing is guys like Mike Riley who just don't fit in this lineup. Every time they get a lineup chance, they don't play well. There are people like that that can be moved. Maybe someone like Yoel Armia, who's having a very good season, could net you some assets, but he's also a valuable piece. The way this team's constructed, and without Jonathan Drouin and Paul Byron right now, it's so hard to move a roster player without like crippling yourself in some other way. Cutting off your nose to spite your face, basically. It's like, cool, you traded to fix the left defense spot, but now you're missing a top six winger because you traded Joel Armia in a pick for them. If anything's going to happen, I feel like it's going to be some minor move that fills in the left defensive spot or the third right D spot, and someone like Kale Fleury might go down to Laval to play more minutes to kind of round out his game a little bit, and they'll have an NHL veteran there. Uh, because making a reactive decision right now and doing something huge and dropping all these assets into something that might not work out feels like the wrong play on this. People mentioned, hey, Taylor Hall might be available and Montreal is interested. Every team should be interested in Taylor Hall. He's really, really good. But is it worth the Canadians dropping so much? They're asking two firsts and I believe a top prospect for him. And he is only a rental this year. And I feel like Montreal is not in the right position to do that. They're not contending for division crown right now. They're definitely not contending for a Stanley Cup. If anything, in the next week, I wouldn't be shocked if they make like a bottom pairing defenseman, middle six forward kind of trade involving picks or a middling prospect going the other way. So we've gone through all the player options, and we'll talk about front office moves that are being suggested in the media and the fan base in just a moment. So how do the Canadians right this ship after an eight-game losing streak? We are discussing all of the all of the possibilities that the fans are throwing out, and also some media members are throwing out, and we are discussing whether or not these are realistic possibilities or whether we should all calm down. I'm just going to throw one out there. Out there, I've heard a lot of fire Claude Julian simply the, today. I would say today. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear a lot of it before today. What do we think? No is my short answer. <laughs> well, my, my please short elaborate. Answer is, we still have a whole segment to go. <laughs> no is my short answer because Claude Julian has his team playing well. They played well against the Bruins 
for 95% of the game, and the penalty kill let them down again. They played well against Philadelphia, and they were let down in overtime by defensive lapses. The team lets up odd man rushes, but still is generating offense. There's one tying aspect to the penalty kill and the defensive lapses. There's one man in charge of them. That's not just Claude Julian. It's also his defensive coach, Luke Richardson. And, you know, I'm kind of willing to be like, okay, he's coming back. we got another year. What can we learn to do and help fix the defense this year? And it's not the, the penalty kill has been bad since the start of the year. And Carey Price playing so well kind of bailed out defensive mistakes earlier in the year. And now he's not able to keep up with them because they're coming at such a high speed or high rate of them occurring that he turns around and it's another odd man rush and the players aren't cutting the right lanes. Richardson's the one who's in charge of getting these guys ready for those instances. If they're continuing to allow so many odd man rushes and defensive mistakes, that goes to him. Yes, Claude Julian might need to, you know, be involved in that, but he is the guy who specifically works with the defensive group to get them ready for these games. And there are some nights, tonight was not one of them until very late in the game that the the defense didn't look right. Eventually, you got to look at who is in charge of these things and you got to do something about it. Everyone would call for Kirk Muller to be fired when the power play was so bad and that kind of righted itself out. But since the start of the year, everything tied to Richardson has kind of dropped off. The penalty kill, still bad. The defense getting worse. Now it's tied together with a bad penalty kill, and the officials are seemingly calling every penalty in the book against the Canadians. It's a recipe for disaster. I don't put that at the feet of Claude Julien because he's not the one working with that group specifically. Next up, we have fire the general manager. (laughs) I don't even know where to go with this one. Also, the answer is no, at least not with a caveat, no for right now. I would like to know what firing Mark Bergevin right now would do to immediately fix this team. And I have all day to wait for an answer on this because, quite frankly, what's it going to do? It's not magically going to fix the penalty kill. It's not magically going to heal Jonathan Drouin's wrist. It's not magically going to make Mike Riley a useful NHL player. Bergevin did what he had to do in the offseason or tried to, and he tried to make the moves. But at the same time, he's not out there killing penalties. He is partially tied into this. He is the general manager. They will go with everyone else when the axe comes swinging, unfortunately. But firing him right now doesn't make any sense. He's done a very good job restocking assets and everything going forward. What would firing him right now do? I don't think it's going to magically turn this team around. And who are they going to replace him with? There's not exactly a bevy of general manager candidates out there. And they don't have one waiting in the wings right now because he's also the general manager of the AHL team. They don't have someone like Julian Breesbaugh was in Tampa Bay to take over for Steve Eiserman. And maybe that's something they should look into getting so they can have a successor ready when that time does come. I think a lot of a lot of people were sort of expecting at the beginning of this season that after all the time that Mark Bergevin has put into this team and it's been kind of a mixed bag and I, I keep going back to the article that uh, Arpen Basu wrote 
very, very early on in the season. It was either right before the puck dropped or right after on The Athletic. And we make no secret of reading all the things he writes. And he had written something that was very interesting about the, the evolution of his management style. That's not how he phrased it, but it's sort of like that was that was what the article was about. And I think a lot of people sort of thought that this was this year was going to be the um, the judgment year. You know, if the Habs had made progress, if it didn't look good for the next few years, then, you know, Mark Bergevin would be out. I think that the Canadians are sort of, again, you know, I don't think that the players themselves are bad players. I think that the team is very capable of playing well. I think that there is a young core in training. I think that it, you know, it would be, it would be a shame to shake things up too much, but it is true that Mark Bergevin, you know, he's been here for a while and what he's got to show for it isn't as much as what this fan base would like and probably what the end result of having playoff games at the Bell Center um, would be financially for the ownership group. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that this is probably not going to happen during the year. It might happen at the end of the year, depending on how things go, you know, in the next few weeks and months. But for now, it doesn't seem like a realistic solution or one that would, you know, as Scott said, there's nobody to like to take his place. So it's going to be I think that's going to be a no from us. And finally, this is a suggestion that we dreamed up ourselves. We haven't heard it yet, but <laughs> I think right <laughs> after the game, before we started recording, we were both extremely frustrated with this team. <laughs> and we were like, they should sell the team to Quebec. What's Pierre Carl Pelto up to these days? Well, apparently he is criticizing and attacking the Quebec government of the time. So he's no longer a politician. He's still the owner of Quebec or I'm sure he still wants a team in Quebec. But at the moment, uh, he's a little bit occupied right now. <laughs> the Habs are not moving. Uh, but you know what? We're, we're so angry right now that we wouldn't be too sorry to see them go for a little while. Uh, it's important to note, we've been talking about this, you know, we've kind of, we're not making fun of the fan base, we're part of the fan base, we do tend to catastrophize when the team isn't playing well, that's something that we are very well known for, you know, the opinions and, and the and the suggestions that we've seen flying around over the last couple of weeks have, have ranged from the sane and sensible to the completely out there and incorrect suggestions. So we decided that this, you know, today we were going to run through them and see where we stood with all of them. But it's, you know what, as a whole in the last two games, so against the Flyers and against Boston, the team did not play as hopelessly as they had in the, in the last few games before that. So if there's anything to draw, it's that they are, they're trying harder. You know, the, the one thing that I did note is that the Canadians were on a second night of a back to back and they still showed a lot of energy. They came up short for sure. Nick Cousins really, really needs to take responsibility for that stupid penalty that he took. But at the, and also what's a too many men when you have your goaltender is on the bench? What kind of a too many men penalty are you taking? You already have the man advantage. I, you know, I can't even. But, you know, the, the disciplinary issues aside, I think the Canadians in the last couple of games have been trending better. Would you agree, Scott? Yes, but at the same time, it's like, cool, we're still on fire, but, like, only, like, my arms are on fire now instead of my entire body. So, <laughs> like, I, this is a very fire-based podcast, apparently, so I don't know. 
<laughs> well, it is Montreal, so oh, we do God. set fire to stuff. Um, yeah, metaphors. All right. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, this is a new week. Please tune in tomorrow for us setting up the rest of the week. And uh spoiler alert, there is a prediction, and it's not on the part of Scott. And also, please look out for Scott's video of him eating five pickles that we will post on our feed and also please 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 share your opinions and things like that because we do you know we know you guys are listening it's just in the last couple of weeks and i understand the team is very uninspiring but we want we want you to talk to us we want like we want to choose a listener of the week from somebody who's been interacting a lot that week so you can do that by following us on twitter or tweeting us at lo underscore canadians you can also uh follow scott matla on Twitter at Scott Matla. You can follow me at the active stick. You can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com and you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, like literally wherever Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, you know, overcast anywhere that you get your podcasts. We are available. Please subscribe. Please download. We know that the Canadians can do better and we're going to be walking you guys through it all season. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you tomorrow.